Hey gang, Rick Lee James here. I just wanted to remind you as we begin today's podcast that my new live album and DVD, Basement Psalms Live, is available at rickleejames.com. You can also get it for a limited time as a digital download at getmopix.com. That's G-E-T-M-O-P-I-X.com. Only $5.99 for the full, untut digital concert. You can watch it right on your mobile device from getmopix.com. Make sure to stop by rickleejames.com for more information on everything pertaining to my ministry, my music, what's going on in my life. Thanks for listening to Voices in My Head podcast, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. I am Rick Lee James, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. Welcome back to Voices in My Head, episode number 69. This is your host, Rick Lee James, and I am so glad to be here. Today, we have all sons and daughters with us as our guest. They are a great duo, which I'm sure you've heard of before, because their music has kind of taken the Christian music world by storm right now. They are one of my favorites, and I'm really pleased to be able to share the interview that I did with them earlier this week with you today on Voices in My Head. Also, I want to remind you that next week is going to be a very interesting sort of different podcast. It actually is something that I recorded a couple weeks ago in Lexington, Kentucky. Although I personally wasn't in Lexington, Kentucky, it was a forum that they broadcast me in to this church uh, where we talked about uh, evil and where God is whenever evil strikes. We talked about things like the terrorist bombings, and basically it was a theological discussion about evil and the justice of God, where God is in times like these, what it means to have a present God in the midst of our suffering and in the midst of our pain and trials. Uh, It's going to be a really interesting podcast, not because I'm on it, but because uh, Chad Cook and Matthew Cole are also on it, and they really have some neat insights, and I was just blessed to be a part of it. I asked him if it was okay if we could broadcast it for next week's episode and they said yes so we're going to be doing that next week here on the voices in my head podcast also if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode with alan scott what a phenomenal not only singer but a phenomenal testimony that this man has and i i think you really need to check it out especially if there's somebody in your life who has been dealing with addictions and needs to know the way that god can free them uh alan it has a great story about that that you need to hear and a great new single, God in Me, which is coming out, I believe, this week, May 4th. So uh, check that out and uh, enjoy today's episode of Voices in My Head. We are going to get into question of the week right now. Question of the week. Well, since All Sons and Daughters are our guests today, and since they are one of my favorite musical duos, I thought a good question of the week for this week would be, who is your favorite musical duo? Uh, I think mine has to be All Sons and Daughters. They are just a, a really fantastic duo, but I wanted to hear from you, the listeners. So here we go. Daniel Coots wrote in, and he said, Simon and Garfunkel. And that is a great one, too, Daniel. Good choice. John Hall wrote in, Sandy Patty and Larnell Harris. And he followed that comment up by saying, Bazinga. So I'm not sure how serious he was, but great one. Tony James wrote in and said, I have to say, the Judds uh, or Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra. Very interesting. That, I, I hadn't thought of them. 
David Sanders had a, had a very unique one, and he shared a bunch of YouTube clips, which you can go to if you go to the Voices in My Head uh, listener page. Um, and he said, gotta be Jesse E. Joy. Uh, that's Jesse Y. Joy, actually. And they are a Hispanic duo. And I listened to some of their music, and they're really, really good. If I only could tell you what they said, because unfortunately, I don't speak Spanish. But uh, thank you, Dave Sanders, for that choice. Very, very good sound. Great musical duo. We also had other answers come in, like the Birchfield Brothers. Uh, Matthew Cole wrote in, and he said uh, something about the video that uh, Paul Simon made with uh, Chevy Chase. You can call me Al way back in the 80s, I believe it was, and we had this kind of uh, a funny podcast conversation going on about that. But he ultimately settled on Simon and Garfunkel, and we had several other answers that said Simon and Garfunkel were their favorites. So thank you, everyone, for writing in your answers to Question of the Week this week. It was interesting to hear. And uh, I will look forward to bringing more questions of the week to you. We don't have one for next week because of the way that the podcast was set up. But thanks for playing along this week on... Question of the Week. Well, I really can't say enough good about my guests today. David Leonard and Leslie Jordan, better known as All Sons and Daughters, are one of my very favorite musical duos that's out there right now. And that includes all music, not just worship music. They uh, ride that fine line between making music that's accessible to any congregation while at the same time being artistically challenging, and that's something I really appreciate about them. Their new album is just called All Sons and Daughters Live, and it is fantastic. If you've not had a chance to hear it yet, then I think you're going to run out after this podcast, maybe even during this podcast, and pick up a copy. It's available at Christian Music Bookstores all across the country. It's also available just about anywhere you can buy music online, so make sure and check it out. They are not only incredible musicians, but I have found them to be uh, wonderful people, very humble, and they have such a heart for God. One thing I love the most about them, it's it's not that they're just great musicians, and it's not that they're getting all these wonderful opportunities to tour with people like Paul Balash and Chris Tomlin and, and people whose names you know, but they truly love Christ, and they are connected to their local church. Uh, you're going to get to hear more about that as we talk today, and you're going to get to hear their heart, not only for um, just making great music, but for the people of God and for serving Christ and His church. And uh, it, they have a really busy schedule, so I want to say thank you again to them, uh, for Chris and Rick and everybody who helped me get the uh, the podcast together for today, that I know their schedule is just crazy. And uh, we talk about a wide variety of things, everything from our question of the week to the April Fool's joke that I played involving them not too long ago, and uh, and who knows, maybe someday we will get to work together on tour. I'd love to do that, but for right now, I just hope you enjoy this interview and this time that we had together. I'm going to go into our interview today by playing a cut from their new live album called Wake Up, and that will be followed immediately by my conversation with all sons and daughters. Thanks for listening to the Voices in My Head podcast. God bless.
My guests today are David Leonard and Leslie Jordan, better known to most of us by their stage name, All Sons and Daughters. Their new live album is absolutely amazing. It's filled with worship songs that have a classic feel without being derivative of other popular worship music. And in addition to being worship leaders at Journey Church in Franklin, Tennessee, they are also sought-after performing artists, even joining Chris Tomlin recently on the Burning Lights Tour. It's my pleasure to welcome Integrity Music recording artist, All Sons and Daughters, to Voices in My Head today. Thanks for joining me, guys. Oh, I'm so Well, I have been really excited to talk to you for a while, and uh, as I was telling you a little bit before the podcast, um, this year on April Fool's Day, you guys, without even knowing it, were involved in an April Fool's prank with me that uh, that I, I still am getting emails about, actually, because people thought it was real. <laughs> And uh, on April Fool's Day this year, earlier, I sent out to my followers on Facebook and Twitter, um, I, I too just released at the beginning of last month a new live uh, a live album, and so I thought it would be fun. Like, hey, I've got a picture with you guys from when we did the creative conference. So I put out this email and stuff on Twitter, and I, I called it the... Uh, the Too Good to Be True Tour of 2013, it was going to be All Sons and Daughters and Rick Lee James together. And, <laughs> and, and, and it had like the hashtag, you know, April Fools and all that stuff. But for whatever reason, um, people thought it was real. And so I started getting like tons of calls. And, you know, and at the end of the day, I was like clarifying, no, 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 no. It was just a picture that I had taken. It was all April Fool's. And as recently as last week, I still have been getting like phone calls about, you know, when, when the tour is starting and all that stuff. So <laughs> I, I, I guess I'd have to say thank you for helping me, even though you didn't know it, in my April Fool's prank this year. So That's hilarious. That's amazing. <laughs> So I, I feel like maybe I saw that picture and uh but it didn't it didn't register. I was like, "Oh cool, we're doing a tour." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't oh. even it, it didn't even um blank. Apparently I'm not very good at April Fools jokes. So. Well, that's quite all right. <laughs> Apparently I'm too good at them or something, but anyway. Oh, that's awesome. That's well, awesome. It's really great to have you guys on the podcast today, and uh, I wanted to ask you right at the beginning, because I always do this with my guests each week, we always have a question of the week, and uh, our listeners answer it online, and uh, they send in messages sometimes by phone, and I always ask my guests the same question, and since you guys are a great music and you're a great musical duo, your question of the week for this week is... Um, who is your favorite musical duo? Do you have a, a group that comes to mind? Favorite musical duo? Uh, Sonny and Cher. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I got you. Uh, I got you, babe. Uh, let me think. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, we've never been asked that before. Hmm. Stumped. Well, so far. But, I, but, but Simon and Garfunkel. You know, oh, what? that's a great, that's a great one. We have had uh, three listeners so far answer that question. All three have said Simon and Garfunkel. So you're some, you're in good company. That's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. Are you going to steal that answer too, Leslie? I don't know. I feel like I'm going to have to get back to you. Like okay. this is a high pressure. This is a high pressure situation. Actually. <laughs> oh, completely fine. Well, let me ask you while you're thinking about that. I would be curious to know, because you have such a unique sound, who are some of you guys' musical uh, influences? This may be some people that you had uh, had grown up listening to or maybe even in recent years have become a real influence musically on you. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up listening to, like, oldies music, so, like, my dad, um, and I'm sure what was oldies then is older oldies now, um, but I, I think there was, I, I grew up listening to music that told stories, um, so, like, you know, old folk music and um, just, like, yeah, good storytelling, so I, I kind of transitioned into that in my own personal listening and listened to a lot of singer-songwriter, folk music stuff, but um, just a, a few names would be um, Patty Griffin, uh, Sandra McCracken, Derek Webb. Um, obviously, you know, the big hitters like Bob Dylan. Um, yeah. I listened a lot to Bob Dylan in college. I tried to pretend like I understood what he was saying. <laughs> I was like, oh, I totally get it. Um, but uh, but I, I just, I loved, you know, what he was the parts I could understand, I loved what he was saying, and, and I loved uh, how simple the music was, mm. but how, how much of a story it told. Good answer. What about you, David? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely grew up listening to a lot of folks, James Taylor and stuff. That's what my dad... Oh, yeah, that's it. I always grew up on James Taylor and the Eagle, or, you know, yeah. all, all kinds of stuff like that. And then as I grew up, I, I started listening to a, a lot of, like, soul singers, so, like... Uh, um, Otis Redding and Sam Cooke and Bill Withers and those kind of guys. And I just I love people who who sang with such passion that you you knew exactly what they were feeling and it was just it was something that I, I wasn't finding in in modern pop music uh, and it was something that was very real and you could feel the emotion of the music and I connected with that greatly. Well, that's great, and you know, I think that's a good way to maybe describe the sound that you two have together is is maybe soulful folk, you know, and you, which is kind of a hard thing yeah. to say together into a soulful folk, but um, <laughs> but it's but it's very true in spite of the tongue twisting factor of it. You guys have a great, very soulful sound, and there's just so much feeling and passion to it. But also with that great, very rootsy, at times very simple folk uh, folk music feel. So uh, it's very, very enjoyable stuff uh before we get too much further in uh, to our questions um a, a local pastor actually sent me an email when he found out i was going to be talking to you today and his name is david black and he wanted me to tell you he, he said even if this doesn't make the podcast he said please tell all sons and daughters that we are grateful for the formative role their music has played in our church plant Thank them for writing honest music that lends itself to corporate singing. And uh, I've played at his church a few times, and it, it literally is a church that he started from the ground up. And um, and again, wow. maybe without knowing it, you guys have been such a great influence on so many people, even helping them to grow their church. So I'm excited about the opportunity to talk to you about some songwriting today and what that uh, means uh, for the uh, West Church. Yeah, yeah, what a great compliment from Dave. Yeah, please, uh, David, thank you for that. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Um, so in in kind of that vein of, of getting into what it means for the local church and what it means to, to write songs for the church, how did you two first kind of start uh, meet and then uh, start entering into ministry together at your church? Um, we met back in 2009 uh, through our uh, worship pastor at the time, and uh, I was on staff, and David was traveling with another band, and uh, both of us had been um, a part of worship and and just part of 
what God was doing in this church through communities and small groups, and uh, it was really just a, a sweet a sweet season for us and a sweet season for our community, and um, and we both had a passion to write for our church, and and so our worship pastor at the time introduced us and said, hey, I think you guys would get along really well. You have very similar leadership styles. Um, be interested to see, you know, if you guys could write anything for the church. And at that point, neither one of us had written worship songs that I know of. I know I hadn't. Um, yeah. But we, you know, we both had kind of come from opposite directions, and uh, but landed in this place of really desiring to give back to the church we were uh, being poured into by. And um, and so we we sat down and, and wrote together, and and it was it was really simple. It was one of those things where we had a we had an idea, and the idea was completed within an hour because we were we were both speaking the same language and and that's something that's that's really common at our church there's a lot of people that we just there's a there's a language that we speak through brokenness and vulnerability and honesty here um that you don't have to wade through a lot of uh exterior or surface fluffy stuff it's just kind of like this is where I'm at this is who I am and these are the things I'm walking through and so I, I feel like that really contributed to the ease of of writing with us and um, and so that, that's really where we started, and we started playing some of the songs in church and leading them, and and watching the way that people responded to them, and uh, and that was that was our intention, and and uh, and it was just a really crazy, a crazy whirlwind of a story as to how we ended up as all sons and daughters, but uh, somebody from Integrity got a hold of of uh, some songs we gave to the church that we had written. And uh, and said, hey, listen, you know the the label I work for is a church label. They they love empowering worship leaders and giving songs to the greater church. And I really love what songs were are coming out of Journey. Would you guys be interested in, in talking with the label um, about doing something, doing a project with them? Mm. <laughs> so Dave and I are like, uh, maybe. <laughs> so we we had not thought about it. We hadn't uh, talked about it. So we sat down with our spouses and and talked about kind of what are the negotiables, the non-negotiables, what are the things that um, that are most important to us as as part of the church community. And and it's been a crazy journey since then. Um, but, you know, we were very blessed to, um, to have the opportunity to serve with integrity. But at the same time, um, church is still our first priority, which is, is pretty awesome that we get to do both. Oh. Yeah. That is that's awesome to hear, and that's that's one reason I I enjoy your music so much is I do know it's coming from a place of serving, uh, really I guess we could say in the trenches, you know, at the local place of ministry. Tell me what it was like for you as um, as a songwriter, and and you'd already said maybe you hadn't written a lot of worship songs before that. Um, what was it like for you the first time you shared or the first couple times you started sharing your own songs at church? What were maybe some people's reactions to that? And even how was that for you? Because it's a it's quite a different thing when, you know, you've grown up maybe in church singing a certain kind of song and you think, well, that's the kind of music we need to have versus now we're going to try something of our own. What what were some of the feelings and reactions around that? I, I think it was a, it was... First off, it was very nerve-wracking uh, mm-hmm. because at the time we are in Nashville and we have tons of people who, um, who who music is their life, and so introducing new songs that were specifically written by us, it was kind of like going, okay, well we don't want to we don't want to put something out there that people are going to just feel like we're trying to advance. Right. 
mm. um, our name or anything like that. And so there's this there's a, kind of a a bit of a being scared uh, of of actually um, putting them out there to the congregation. But then at the time, you know, at the same time, um, it, it was the the truth of of going. No, these songs were written specifically for this body. And this body is going to is going to if they connect with it, they're going to take it on as their own, and mm-hmm. uh, and that that was the thing that that really just blew our mind to see to see how people um, how people just kind of resonated with the words that were being spoken and, um, in in the lyrics, and it was just it was a it was a beautiful time, and it is a beautiful time every time we get to introduce a new song and. It's not that everyone connects every time, um, but at the same time, um, there is some sense of connection, uh, especially here at Journey, just because they were written specifically for them uh, and, and in in the same building, you know, mm-hmm. that we all worship in and, and we all sit together in and join together in community and you know, to see the light bulbs go off around the room when when you say little lyrics and you see people kind of go, man, that that is for me. That is that's mine. You know that that just changes everything and just it, it brings a song to life. Really, a song really isn't isn't alive until we until we sing it at church. Yeah, well, that's that's a great answer. And you know, we were talking about. Um, artists just a few minutes ago that have been influences on us, and and Leslie mentioned like Bob Dylan. Um, how how many people have taken you know one of his songs and it's it's in a sense not his anymore because it's become their own. And uh, and how yeah. much how much more is that even in worship where you know God will gift writers with music, um, and it's almost like in a sense our tithe. You know, it's like we give it to God yeah. and then we let Him use it for whatever way he desires and it becomes no longer something that's our own but something that's his so what a, what a neat yeah, story absolutely. so um well let, let me ask you uh real quickly when when you're writing for the local church and i know that that now i don't know if it's changed at all since you've been writing with and for integrity um but has your approach to to writing changed or do you still kind of write trying to keep your local place in mind or are you trying to think a little bit more globally now or or just how do your songs come together when you're writing it's still uh very much focused on our church when when we sit down with each other or when we sit down with other writers a lot of times the other writers we're with are worship leaders or they're a part of another congregation and and so we'll talk about what we've been learning through, you know, through our church or through community or, or through the word. And, um, and so it, it has to start there for us. It really doesn't make sense uh, for us to go um, on a much larger scale because our, our main influence is our church, the people that we're being poured into by and the people we're pouring into, it's all here. And, and so... You know, everything on the exterior, the stuff that happens outside of Journey Church in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, we feel like that's that's a, an added bonus to uh, to getting to serve our community. Um, and so, you know, it started, we started writing for these people, and, and that's really the only way it, it makes sense for us to continue writing for these people. And, and so it's just, it's been a crazy process to see how we've grown as worshipers. Um, and, and, you know, I think the, the obvious statement would be we, 
you know, we started with season one was the first record, and we really came through a crazy season with our church, and David and I have been talking about it a lot lately, like, when we go out and we play with other people, we we are taking people on a journey that our church has been through over three years mm. in about the time span of an hour and a half. <laughs> so it's uh, it's crazy to just see what God's doing in our, our community, and, and we're anticipating and really eager to see what the next season looks like for for writing and for worship in our church. Well, that's great. That's really cool. Um, and, and, you know, just the fact that you get to, to share on a local level and then bring that out and it relates to so many more people, I guess that uh, speaks to uh, the the unifying of Christ in all of our churches and the way that he, he works in our lives. Um, and, and, and on that sense of writing for your local church, I remember a couple of years ago um, there was a session um, at the Song Discovery Writers Conference that you guys uh, spoke and you took some some Q and A times and things like that. And I remember one topic that came up, which is always of interest to worship leaders, people like myself. Um, you know, when you're doing your music at your church, when you're selecting things for your local congregation, um, you guys had said, if, if memory serves, that you kind of sat down, you prayed, and you thought through about. Um, we're not going to do like, you know, hundreds of songs this year. We're going to pray about kind of just a few, maybe even just a handful of songs, and we're going to stick with these um, for this amount of time. Is that still something that has stuck over the three years that you've felt like has been important to kind of just maybe stick with a few songs and, and kind of let that become the heart of your people together, or has that changed at all? Yeah, I, that that's still very much the heart. We We do... Um, we do way more songs now, uh, but at the same time, the heart is still the same behind that is, is trying to keep consistency um, in in songs and uh, not introducing as many songs as were before. At the beginning, we, when me and Leslie first um, stepped into the interim role here, it was there were so many songs that were being played and everything was different every week, even musicians, you know, everything... The congregation couldn't latch on to anything uh, familiar, and so for us it was the idea of completely leveling the team. We went down to to four other guys, so there were six of us um, that that served for eight months straight. We never we didn't travel and do anything, and we were here every week for eight months, and, and we had twenty songs that we picked between. Uh, and we would do, we would switch those in and out for for those eight months. And so through that time, it really began our, it was it was really our our um, relationship with the congregation that began to flourish. Just because they knew they knew that we were we were there, we were going we were we were invested into what was going on there, and and we loved them and cared them, and and, and really were digging in with them. And, um and and that's that's still the same thing now you know we we all the leaders that are leading here now are we all dig into community and we're we're all heavily involved in what God's doing here in journey and in the songs the same way you know we 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 try to stay consistent with what's being played and um we we love being able to introduce new songs just because we want to we want we want it to stay fresh and stay new for people and and there are there's some great new songs that are coming out and we did one this week uh, 
just man the con- the connection points and the song lyric it was just so beautiful and so we never want never want to kind of hinder that we always want to be open open to man there's going to be songs that we need to introduce and um but at the same time really trying to be consistent and and stay simple at the same time Very good. I'm curious because, you know, most of us out here, we only, you know, we'll see you at conferences or a concert or we'll we'll hear the album. Probably that's how most of us hear you is, you know, we'll put in a CD or listen on our MP3 players and and uh, and hear you guys. What's the uh, the ratio, say, at your church on a Sunday morning um, between like songs that you've written versus songs that maybe other people have written that you found? What do you, do you find you do a lot of yours, or do you find you gravitate a lot to other people's work, or how does that work on Sunday morning at your local church? It, it depends on it depends on the message, honestly. So we we spend time during the week with the pastor and. And we map out what the service looks like. And so if, if, um, you know, if there's songs of ours that fit the message really well, then we'll do those. But if there's songs of other people that fit the message really well, then we'll, we'll do those. And there's never ever been a hesitation to, to not do someone else's music. We, we really like, we, there has to be a balance. So, uh, especially because we're gone so much. And so our other worship leaders, um, they don't always sing our songs. So the last thing we want is for our people to only know our music. <laughs> that way that, there would be, uh, I feel like we'd be setting everyone up for kind of a, an awkward situation. So, um, but we, yeah, we do a healthy balance of both, and, and it really just depends on what that Sunday looks like, uh, the song we choose. But I mean, this last week, I think we did, um, we did one, uh, two of our own, and then four uh, other people. The, the song we introduced this week was Oceans by Hillsong, mm. and, um, and so, yeah, we're, I mean, we're always looking for, for worship music and, 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 uh, and so the, the goal definitely for us when we started writing wasn't to recreate worship in our church, but it was just to add, to add to some of, you know, the songs we already connected with. Um, and, uh, yeah, just to make that, make that an addition to and not in place of. Awesome. Very cool. Well, let me ask you this, too, because uh, to me, in many ways, songs are are like films. And what I mean by that is um, some old films are wonderful. Like I I can think of a classic that I love, uh, Twelve Angry Men, and there's a few that come to mind. Um, But there's only a handful that I think of in those black and white era that, to me, still feel like they stand the test of time and are something that are just, you know, worth revisiting and something that I find value in. And I feel like songs work that way, too, especially worship songs. And my concern is um, that sometimes we're so focused on um, something new that's coming out constantly. And uh, it feels like things only have a shelf life as long as they're popular on the radio. Are there, are there old songs to you in worship that stand out as something that has really, uh, stood the test of time, sort of like maybe that old film gem that you go back to and go, wow, it's still just as powerful now. Is there a song that's like that for either of you that comes to mind? Well, we, we do a lot of hymns. Um, we, we just, that, that kind of, um, that era of music really resonates with us. There's a lot of truth being spoken, uh, lyrically, and there's not a lot of fluff musically in it. It, It's simply, um, a lot of time scripture and, and it's simply truth being spoken. And so, uh, you know, I know for us, we, we, we resonate with that a ton, um, and, and, and really try to, 
to make those songs our own, you know, yeah. bring them into a new light so so it doesn't feel uh, dated or or whatever. It, it feels brand new and um, yeah, I think I think if we looked more at at, at hymns and and that thing, I think even um, I, I know that's affected our writing styles uh, and and kind of the way we. Uh, we we moved towards the song. We we love the structure of him and and just what they say. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would think for me, like coming off Fount has definitely been one that stood the test of time. Like that to me is a song that is about uh, you know you're you're human and you make good choices and you make bad choices and God asks us to uh, set markers and and milestones for those those things that he's brought us through so we can remember those, but that we can move forward from them. And I love the, I love the honesty of the prone to wander Lord. I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Like, Oh, that's like gut wrenching. Cause you're like, yep, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I love God so much, but I know that I have a, I have a tendency to wander away and, and try and, you know, make my own path. And so I, yeah, hymns are definitely, hymns are definitely the thing that I feel like, uh, exist and will continue to exist and and that's one of my favorites definitely and you know even that song with with a word that you know it's even a teaching moment with a word like in that one like ebenezer which is a you know the stone, <laughs> yeah. of, the stone of help word i i think it's great to to give our congregation um some some new language to speak to even though it's old mm-hmm. and sometimes just explain say hey this is a word that has so much meaning it's not talking about scrooge from christmas carol uh we're talking <laughs> about you know uh the stone of help and what this means and and sometimes yeah. you know if, if if even our own writing if we could aspire sometimes to write in that way um to write something lasting and and beyond just you know what we hear um, maybe on a, a top 40 radio type thing, but to actually write something of importance and something that is rich and lasting, um, I, I think that's a great way to go. And I, I honestly, I feel like that comes out in your writing too. I think I can hear the influence of those hymns on you. So, so well done. Good job, you guys. Uh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> well, I want to, I don't want to let our time pass away without, uh, talking about your new album. Um, it's, it's really fantastic, first of all. I've listened to it several times, uh, and what a great thing to be able to hear a live recording. Um, that's a very important thing to me. As I told you a few minutes ago, I, I recently recorded my first live album and did kind of a D- DVD myself out of it. And uh, and I found, I found that for me, uh, personally, and I'm interested to hear this from you guys, for me personally, it felt like so much more work than a studio project in a lot of ways. Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. Because it was like, oh my gosh, I've got to get this right because there's no overdubs, you know. <laughs> when I go yep, back. yep. You got, was, you got one shot. Yeah, what was the experience of doing a live album like for you guys? It it was so sweet. It was like church for us. It really was like the one of the most pure experiences uh, the night we recorded. It, it felt... It felt like being a journey on a Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, we, like you said, it is a lot of work because you go into it and you go, we want to make sure, um, you know, this is our, our, one of our greatest goals is to limit distractions. And so we wanted to make the night 
we wanted to limit distractions in the night, which meant, you know, not stopping and redoing songs or not, you know, it was like we wanted to literally start and finish in one take mm-hmm. and and for it to be, you know, as authentic as possible. And so we spent a lot of time in the studio two days before and, you know, we did we did lay down some, you know, early vocals just without drums playing behind us, um, you know, just for for safety's sake and mm-hmm. um, got some, you know, gang vocals the night before for the same reason. And uh, But it, it was a lot of work, but it, it was so good and so rewarding because it was done with family. So yeah. it, it it felt refreshing and not draining because of that. Well, that's great. And, and there's a different energy too, isn't there? Because for me, um, my you know my place where I just feel the most joy is when I get to share that with other people, and, uh, yeah. and so so often in a studio setting it feels like well I can't wait to someday get to put this out and maybe somebody will enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so David, what was your feelings on on an evening like that being doing a live album? Man, uh, it was you know like what Leslie said. It was true, beautiful, and you know it is the same feeling that you're saying. You know, you you go in and you you sit in a sometimes a stale studio and and you you sing in a room that's dead and it's kind of uh, lifeless sometimes when you're tracking a record. But and this time we we sat we did it in Ocean West Studio and it was beautiful old. Uh, church and big huge room and filled it up with people and and there was just there was life in it you know it was I, I know we sang things differently and we had different emotions you know especially than the regular records and um, so there's things on this record that that were simply because um, we were sitting singing in a room full of people that were worshiping you know all out and I think that was. That was something that was just, especially being able to capture it um, on tape and on video, and it was, it was just, it was beautiful, man. And I, I, it, and like we said before, it was tons of work, and it was hard, but at the same time, I can't wait to do another one just <laughs> for the sheer fact of, of getting, getting to do, um, create with with so many people all over again. Sure. And and it it really does have a great feel. It does feel like you're uh, you're in church. And I love those types of albums. And I'll have to say, you know, some of my best times. Um, maybe this is just an example for us of why we need each other in the church. Our best moments of worship, as good as they are, in our personal times, I always feel like the best times that I've ever experienced with the Lord has been with a group of people who loved him and where where God just came and filled the room. I can remember a retreat one time uh, with a room full of pastors where I got to lead some music one time. And as these pastors, there was like 30 of them, they just lifted their voice and you couldn't even hear me anymore. You know, it was just the idea of that we were joining together. And I, I love how your your new live album, it really does have this experience of, hey, the, the body of Christ has come together and it's about God and about him and his kingdom and uh, and just experiencing his kingdom come as you record together. So very good, very good project. I'm loving it. And I know our listeners are, if they haven't heard it yet, I want to recommend they all go out and pick up a copy of All Sons and Daughters Live. Really good. Wow, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. 
Well, before we go, too, if you don't mind, uh, I'd love to hear what it was like to play some dates with Chris Tomlin. <laughs> oh, it was it was amazing. Uh, Chris is is a a guy who loves the church and who desires to serve the church with his gifts and talents, and and he loves people, and and so it was really encouraging for us to be on the road with him and see how his team operates and a lot of things that we aspire, you know, to to do in our. Um, at our organization when we're traveling and at our church at home and um they they have a huge emphasis on community and relationships and so we you know we took that and um and we're encouraged by that and and uh and he he really is one of the you know mo- most influential um i believe church worship writers of our generation and if not the most and mm-hmm. and so it was um it was quite a surreal experience to to be led by him and to be under his leadership and and also to um to just watch him do what he does and uh to glean from that and, and um, it was it was crazy i i have to say one of my like the most surreal moments we we ended up we got to sing the last couple songs with him every night and um he would invite us back out on stage and and this was when we were in Canada in the spring and and uh, he said, oh, I overheard you guys singing, you know, one of our songs earlier in the green room. And, and uh, it co- totally pulled a fast one on us. He's like, so uh you guys cool with playing that one right now? <laughs> we're like, what? <laughs> uh, we had the script of, we were supposed to sing the songs you play, not the songs we were going to play. And uh, so he, he handed me his guitar and, and said, why don't you guys lead us? Lord, I need you. And then David and I were both a little bit like, what? Um <laughs> But it, it was such a sweet moment. I mean, the guys, all his guys were out on stage with us and just worshiping along with us and, mm-hmm. and the people. It, it was it was a sweet moment and a, a moment I definitely will never forget. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's great. Any Anything that you'd like to share about that experience, David? No, I mean, I mean the, 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 you can't speak highly enough about uh, the team uh, of uh, CTB. Uh, PCB, PCB. <laughs> uh, you can't speak highly enough about them. All the guys are so, so amazing. Uh, everyone loves what they do, and they do it with excellence. Uh, and it was just, it was a family environment, and it was just a lot, a lot of fun. If we could do it all the time, we would love to do it. So. Hmm. Well, that's amazing, and uh, con- congratulations on that, because that's such a unique experience. And then uh, for him to be, you know, just such a generous person, it sounds like, too, and for you to get to, yeah. you know, just share that together. So con- congrats, and what a blessing. Oh, thank so. you. Yeah, it was amazing. Thanks, man. And, and as a matter of fact, I remember, um, I think it was last year at the Creative Conference, uh, again, when um, the the kind of the big night of, of worship and it was a fundraiser i remember michael w smith saying uh something very cool about you guys too and he was talking about um a pastor had had handed him a, a cd and he said what you're pitching me a project <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and and the pastor said i think you're gonna like it and he said you know what i did so uh so so that's great yeah that was that was our pastor which is what's so funny about oh. that story. <laughs> it's, it's so funny that's his uh he was like, I didn't realize that was something you shouldn't do in Nashville. <laughs> oh, Stevie, he's yeah. awesome. They're they're good, they're good friends, so it wasn't an awkward 
situation, except yeah. for the CD passing. But <laughs> well, that was also the first time that we had heard the story too. Oh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't know that at all. We didn't know that. Well, that, so that was. Kind we of, had never even met Michael at that point. We met him as we were walking off the stage after oh, that. Wow. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, what a what a cool compliment yeah. from somebody who's you know also been such a big influence on the church. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We are very honored. Well, this has been a real treat. I really appreciate you both being on the the podcast today. I want to tell all our listeners one more time: if you have not had a chance to listen to All Sons and Daughters live or for that matter, any of their projects. They are all worthy of your time, especially if you're a, a local worship pastor and you're looking for some music to um, to bring into your local church. Um, it's good stuff. It's, it's not music that's only accessible to people who are uh, the greatest musicians in the world. It's something that your local small group, even if you just have one musician come together, you can play it, and uh, it's great stuff. So please, listeners... Check out their music. Check out their new live album if you want a real blessing. And uh, and all sons and daughters, thank you for being one of the voices in my head today. Oh, thank you so much for having us, Rick. We really appreciate it. Well, that pretty much wraps us up for today's episode of Voices in My Head. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with all sons and daughters as much as I did. I encourage you, go out and pick up a copy of their new live album. Just to whet your appetite for it a little bit more, we're going to close today's show by playing one more track from that new live album called Oh Our Lord. And uh, my thanks again to everyone who helped to make this podcast possible today. Uh, I couldn't have done it without you. Thanks especially to Rick and Chris. And uh, God bless you guys. Enjoy this closing song by All Sons and Daughters from their new live album. We'll see you back next week for episode 70 of Voices in My Head. Earth.
You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.